Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. I can tell this nigga Zari nervous. Oh my God. <laughs> At least you got the smile going on for yourself. That's 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 a good thing. That is a good thing, sir. All right, y'all. So hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and talk about sexuality. This is your host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, or if you found me some in some risque areas, Sebastian's Adams. It's just how you find me. That's that's it is what it is love to see it so on today's episode i have a former resident assistant of mine i was his supervisor for some time and i'm just happy that he was able to you know come on to my show and just talk about random things with me uh today's topic is about drunk sex but i'll go into like um some conversation about that uh after nick introduces himself on that note nick who the fuck are you (laughs) okay going on everybody my name is nick the quick or whatever you want to call me uh i'm from memphis tennessee i'm a recent graduate from tennessee state university uh and pretty much most of what i do now since i've graduated is work on music and work in my field uh, <laughs> y'all nick is actually a very shy person so it's, it's it's great that he can actually speak that much so this is going to be a very interesting episode oh my god so um like like he said he uh, graduated from tennessee state university uh i don't know if i put this at the beginning of the episode or the la- uh, at the end of the episode it's somewhere but i am going to be playing a clip of his um some of the music that he has come up with so i'm excited about that um so since we are talking about drunk sex uh i do want to have that conversation about consent uh as we should all know um yes means yes no means no and maybe is not even a question there so um whenever it does come to drunk sex because alcohol is one of the number one i think it is the number one actually i know it is the number one date rape drug so um this is not huh I said, I actually had that on my fact sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> now he got a whole fact sheet, uh, fact sheet over there. I support. But like um, when it comes to uh, alcohol use and uh, sex, um, it, there, it, there is that indicator, the legal definitions of how that is not consent. But there are those individuals who do like to participate in drunk sex consensually. So uh, I say that in, to say that it's it's kind of gray. Not everything is black and white. Uh, we have to take personal autonomy in consideration when it comes to consent. And if you are um, cognizant of your actions while uh, intoxicated, this is not like falling over the table drunk. This is, I've had a few drinks and I'm feeling good. I'm inebriated in some manner and I'm horny and want to participate with my partner that I feel safe with and comfortable with engaging in that. Not, I'm just going to get you drunk so we can have sex. That's not what we're talking about. This is based in consensual consensual drunk sex. So I just like to always have that caveat for those individuals who might want to be consent warriors. Trust me, I understand. I'm I'm all up in rape culture, y'all. I've researched that shit. I know all about it. You don't have to teach this nigga over here. I got it. So (laughs) just want to have that uh, disclosure there for everybody. So let's go ahead and get that conversation started off, Nick. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You sure? <laughs> yeah. So, what's up? Uh, let's see. I don't know. Where you want to start? Well, we could just talk about the controversy. Because I remember when um, you, we were recording the episode, you did mention how that is very controversial. Uh, and 
you know, engaging in drunk sex with somebody because it is a controversy behind that. Yeah. So again, like Vernon said, I, I'm I'm all for consent. Definitely listen to the people that you're interacting with and make sure that you are actively receiving consent for somebody. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I was thinking about when we were having that conversation was the what you would consider a functional drunk and how does that apply to the I guess measure of consent that people give when they <laughs> want to have intercourse well that, that's a good point because that that brings up the question like you you have people who are you know like you said functional drunks who are um out here driving vehicles you have them flying planes sometimes uh well that was like back in the day it's a little bit more strict these days so thank god for that um you have functioning drunks that's teaching classes i had one when i was in high school (laughs) anyways you have people in um multiple fields who may be a functioning drunk well functioning alcoholic and um most people don't really even understand or even notice that they're uh intoxicated during that time until they like smell it on their breath so it's like it is possible to be drunk as shit and know exactly everything that you're doing even though it can possibly uh hinder some of your performance uh within that process um so it's it's would I do it? No, because one, I know me when I drink too much. Um, I will. I, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to sleep <laughs> with nobody. I don't want to fuck. But I, I just want to go to sleep. I want to take a nap. Like, leave me alone. Don't touch me. <laughs> I, I feel that, you know, uh, some stuff that I looked up when I was doing a little bit of research on, you know, how does functional drunkness play into the role of consent during sex. And I found out that only well, about 20% of all alcoholics, well, young adult alcoholics are considered function, highly functional um, drunks, <laughs> which means that they can, you know, have full, full-fledged conversations and operate, you know, normal day-to-day tasks while being above, you know, a natural <laughs> level of drunkness. Mm, you said 20%? Yep, 20% of young adults. So that's about 18 to 25, 28. Wow, that, that's a pretty large number. I, I wouldn't even thought that. Uh, I wonder what those numbers look like for uh, individuals who are uh, like older adults. Uh, and I, I feel like it will be a lot less when it comes to elderly people uh, in the sense of like, in terms of breaking down uh, alcohol, like with their livers, since they are a little bit older, but at the same time, we have young know, people who have uh, liver diseases too. So, oh no, it's that's 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 a fairly high number. So that's one out of five, <laughs> in a sense. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a pretty large number. Uh, you know, most people uh, statistically, uh, I don't have the numbers off top, but. Most people start their drinking around senior year in high school to first six weeks of freshman year. And usually a lot of their uh, trauma or, you know, really bad experiences with being drunk and, you know, abuse and other severe things are within that range. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think about like because um, the the rate, the possibility of someone being sexually assaulted um within that age range from 18 to 24 is already uh high i believe if i remember correctly because the standard um woman is one in five and uh for men is one in ten but um the rate for women within that age range becomes uh i think is closer to one in four and for the college campus, it's one in three. So you're more likely to be in danger of sexual assault on the college campus than you were to not be in college. Um, but I think a lot of that deals with um, how we see college, uh, how it's advertised to us as a place for you to go and drink and have sex. So uh, that opens that window of, um, of a set in a culture and expectation of what will happen, um, which somehow 
uh, translates to a lot more sexual assaults happening on the college campus, uh, which is very, very unfortunate and quite sickening. And even on top of that, um, the number of women who are sexually assaulted is extremely high in this country because 95% of sexual assaults go unreported. So it's like, wow, that's a, that's a huge number. So 5% is what we are using to to uh, actually draft a lot of our data. Yeah, so so I was I had to look up some of the stuff that I was talking about. Uh, it's actually so it's fifty three percent of full time college students. Uh, no, let me not say that. Yeah, you might have to cut some of this out. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I'm trying to because I'm I'm looking at it. I looked at it before this, and my brain is just going scatter right now. Uh, but pretty much what I was trying to say is like people that are in college are more likely to drink than or drink towards the line of AUD, alcohol use disorder, or alcohol abuse than their non-enrolled, non-college counterpart. It's about a 10% difference from what it's looking like. It's uh, 53 for full-time college students, whereas about 44 percent for nine-year-old young adults 18 to 22 of age mm, to pretty much abuse alcohol yeah that's a that's a, a huge number he's oh, uh-huh. abuse and mental health service administration mm. like that that's that's very like even to think that 53 percent of college students uh, full-time college students are abusing alcohol. Uh, I, I, I understand uh, from, you know, my past as uh, a prof- uh, professional in higher ed, I understand the importance of having dry campuses. Um, but even with that, there's no real conversation with students about okay, this is what healthy drinking looks like. This is what unhealthy drinking looks like. Yes, yeah, some colleges do it, but not too often to have 54%, uh, sorry, 53%. Uh, that's wrong category. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, for so for the, uh, like, abuse of it, it's, it is 33% for binge drinking and collegiate students, whereas 28% for uh, non-collegiate young adults. So what's the 50, 53%? That's students that have drank a decent amount within one month time frame of the study. Oh, so not not in uh, to in approaching abusing alcohol levels, but just we drink. Yes. Okay, Nick, do not make me jump through. Look, <laughs> read the statistics is important. Okay, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. We all make mistakes. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, so it's a little bit less, which is okay. But still, that's. That's a third of the college campus. That's a piece of alcohol. So <laughs> it's just, there's a need to have those conversations of what is uh, healthy drinking habits. And because we romanticize uh, and somewhat fetishize the idea of being drunk and having sex. And also just the culture of uh, drinking is like everywhere you go, there's a commercial about alcohol. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. like everywhere you go there's a commercial about alcohol you can watch 
shoot in anime we have nothing but alcohol drinking but they don't you don't have too many characters that's like damn near passed out drunk you might have that one uh one or two uh or if you're watching uh some random tv show uh like most definitely if it's a, a, a an adult facing show like uh how I Met Your Mother, that's the first thing that came to my mind. They're meeting places at the bar. So it's like, that's that's the only way that you can meet with your friends is to go to the bar, have some drinks or anything like that, as though they can't just go to the, uh, a regular restaurant that's not a bar. Shoot, I don't think there's any restaurants that do not have bars other than like a fast food place like McDonald's. However, if McDonald's starts selling miniature <laughs> uh, margaritas, though, <laughs> you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a franchise called Mini Marts, and y'all, it's drop. It's a drive-through service. Um, y'all, motherfuckers, been that's still my idea. <laughs> Just don't be um, drinking and driving. I'm going to put the little lids on it. Thank you, Pandemic, for uh, giving me this tip. <laughs> oh, so the study, the, the same study, and I apologize for the bad statistics, and these are actually correct this time. That's okay. But um, from, a, from some 2019 data by the Substitute Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, uh, it actually they actually reported that more females pre- pre- in the age range of 18 to 22 that are college students are drink more than the male counterpart. Mm, I can see that. It's about 53% of women and 51% of males. Mm, so it's pretty close. Yes. I would have thought it would have been higher, higher of a jump, mostly because most alcohol is actually advertised towards women's use. Um, free drinks for women uh, or even getting in the club free or um, buy me a drink is uh, mostly catered towards women and not really men so it's like I I, I would have expected that but I'm actually very shocked that it's uh, 51% with men and not as but then again college yep. students drink so <laughs> question which and not to make it a gender war or anything like that but which gender uh abuse alcohol the most i don't have those numbers up with me but that would be interesting to learn i would say um traditionally speaking i would say it um those who abuse alcohol the most will more than likely be men uh i don't i don't um i don't know if that's a fact but that's just me assuming um just looking at american culture like uh for example uh when you think i was reading um slavery's capitalism and they just broke down a lot of shit and i was like oh my god i didn't even think about this but um how the caffeine industry was uh pretty much um started off in slavery where you will um boost a lot of people with sugars in order for them to work more, work longer hours and whatnot. And now we have the push for coffee later on, which was also used for that same purpose. But then at the end of slavery, and you have a lot more people working, like actually working uh, in the workforce instead of, you know, using human capital. Uh, Well, we still use human capital. That's that's a different I'm not going in that, but um, instead of using enslaved people um, for the majority of the work, you have a lot more people um, in the workforce doing other jobs. And in order for them to stay productive, you have a boost in caffeine usage. Um, you have a uh, uh, let's go closer. Uh, well, coffee usage, but let's go further down the history to like 2000s or I think um, 1990s or whatever, where you have a lot more energy drinks um, put on the market and advertised to people. And here we are. We've got five hour energies all for, you know, the main idea of getting out there to work, getting out there to do this. Um, so it's like, it, it makes sense to me just looking at that tradition of things uh, and most definitely with men being the um, people who are traditionally supposed to be working, meaning they're a lot more stressed, meaning there's a lot more uh, need to escape 
um, there will be that desire to drink more in order to suppress some of those uh, things that they're dealing with, some of their anxiety, some of their uh, fears, some of their stresses, all of that. It's it just the way my mind works, it makes sense that it will be men who will abuse alcohol the most. Um, most definitely since we escape our traumas a lot through other substances. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I can agree with that. And not to say that the supposed to from some statistics or research I looked at before, it kind of pointed that, and you can you can see it in the day to day, and it's usually presented on college campuses. But men are able to drink more alcohol than a woman counterpart, uh, and not have that same you know level of blood alcohol content or drunkness or preserved drunkness, and I, I think that kind of plays a big role into it too. Uh, since men don't really think about a lot of the repercussions of, you know, slamming down, you know, five, six drinks at a time and then going out to, you know, do something, <laughs> make a mistake, whatever you want to do. Uh, whereas, you know, that might take one or two drinks for, you know, the woman counterpart. And it, and it kind of makes you think about where where does your mind go when once you're experiencing these kind of i don't know like when you're super drunk and whatnot yeah yeah that's a good question i'd be wondering like i know like uh, uh whenever i'm uh very intoxicated like i said my main concern is getting in bed uh, and going to sleep that's where my mind starts to travel to like i um I guess some of that might even be um, a trauma response that I automatically want to go somewhere where I feel safe and I feel safest when I'm laying in bed. And uh, so whenever I'm super drunk and I know that I'm losing the ability to function, my, my body's like, okay, get me to my nearest uh, comfort place. Get me to my bed. Let me go to sleep, sleep this off, whatever the case may be. Uh, and probably for some other people, they feel the safest in the arms of somebody else. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Um, probably that's the reason why you have a lot of people who do those drunk calls because that was somebody that they were, they felt safe with. And they're super drunk. And if that's where their mind is going, then let me invite that person over for, for them to comfort me and be here and be that safety net, uh, not necessarily to have sex. Or um, So I don't know. There's, 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 that should be a, a research study. Let's get you drunk as fuck. And I want you to tell me exactly what's going through your head and what you're thinking about um, and see what the results come up as. Um, um just to switch the topic a little bit uh have you had any personal experiences uh with drunk sex yeah i i i didn't start drinking until maybe my sophomore year in college which is late for a lot of people like never took a sip of anything before then mm. and i can say that you know over the course of my college years i, I did participate in a you know a few drunken or you know smoking <laughs> uh high, you know whatever you want to call it sex and I don't know it's 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 one of those things you have to kind of take on a case by case uh mm -hmm. have some really good experiences with it you know and you can also have some really bad experiences with it uh like an example would be that I remember once I, I got you know drunk with the partner or whatever went to a bar and went home and decided hey you know we, we should have sex pretty much and you know I didn't realize I drunk so much and by the I'll say halfway through <laughs> through the session you know I, I started feeling really nauseous and queasy and you know I, <laughs> I wasn't feeling good and I actually had to say we gotta stop <laughs> you know it, it, it's not something that people, I, well, not people, it's not something I've ever heard another man, you know, come out and say that they've had to kind of hold back on being drunk from sex or kind of say no to somebody because they wasn't feeling their best at that time. Mm -hmm. 
and the alcohol or drugs or anything else. It makes it a little bit more personal to me. Uh, and I can't even express what I thought that my partner at the time was thinking of me from having to show a little bit of self-reservedness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, I will say it's great that you did know in that moment that you were not um, capable of fulfilling the need of the full sexual experience and just stopping it. Like um, there's many different scenarios of what could have happened uh, if you would have continued. There would have been a, a possibility of you ruining that entire relationship by puking on them. And yeah. like that's, that's I know it's a, a huge joke around that, but literally you could have been that person and she could have been that person who's like, oh my God, he like threw up on me and that could have been a very negative experience uh or there could have been a, a point where you just fell asleep and that could have been something of a mental impact on that partner of was was i'm not providing them the you know what they needed in the sexual experience mm-hmm. um did y'all did y'all ever talk about it afterwards no it's, it's kind of one of those things i just kind of let bygones be bygones because in, in my experience especially in college, I I used to be that person, especially for a lot of the younger uh, college women, uh, just, you know, make sure they're okay if they get too drunk in a party or if I see somebody walking around campus, I make sure that they get somewhere safely. And one of the most common things that I've noticed about people when they've reached that point of incoherent drunkenness is Mm. that they, and I didn't want that they puke or throw up. Mm. It's it's for me in my experience, it's always been the sign. If somebody throws up, usually they don't remember what happened to them or you know remember much of what's going on at you know that at that time the next day. And I didn't want to be a participator in that. When it came to my experience, I didn't want someone to say you know you blacked out and you did X, Y, Z to me or, and I, I can't remember myself doing X, Y, Z. So I, I, I felt more safe stopping and just leaving it alone at that. Mm. Understandable. Well, that's good that you definitely was that person to make sure other people got home safely too, uh, because there's not there's not too many people. Uh, we're in a very, very toxic culture within uh, the U.S. right now where it's, better to uh, film people at their lowest rather than filming them at their highest. Uh, And there's so many people who will film their friends so drunk, throwing up, barely can walk and think that this is funny. And you're just like, are you really their friend? Like, why are you not helping them? Why are you recording this? Like, I get you're out having a good time while while they're partying while they're functioning while they're shaking that ass like a monkey whatever the case may be while they're doing that film that have that have that memory so that oh girl or oh oh, dude this is this was you last night you was fucking this shit up but unfortunately you got super drunk and you started to throw up and we had to get you out of there we made sure you was okay i remember back in college holding my uh homegirl's hair while she had to throw up (laughs) like It, it was no cameras there was no way i was going to let anybody uh film her like that because why i'm not going to ruin her potential rep- reputation her future or anything like that just so i can have some shits and giggles online it is not that important what's important is to make sure she gets home safely that she's okay make sure everything that is related to her uh, uh having a positive experience that night and going forward is secured why mess that up just trying to film them at their lowest? Yeah, I, and I, I've had a, a similar experience to that. Um, and it actually involves uh, potential drunk sex. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. I, I, I went to a party with my cousin. It was his girlfriend's birthday at the time, or ex-girlfriend. And they had a friend, you know, come to this hotel uh, in first thing that they did for her when she came in the room this this second girl is a uh, shots you know that's a pretty normal thing for a lot of people <laughs> you know more adult people they come in take a shot at the door and, and get the party started uh well 
after we were playing this drunk Uno game, and I don't know these people. I only know two people, two, three people out of like eight or ten. And all of a sudden, I, I noticed this girl. She's like acting weird. And so I, I go check on her. You know, I don't know her or anything. She starts throwing up. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, what's going on? And somebody, I hear somebody say, she's never had alcohol before. Why would you give alcohol, you know, eight, ten shots to somebody that has never touched alcohol before? Right. <laughs> and one of the one of the things that I noticed about the people that she was around was that, you know, although I'm somebody she never met, I'm the only person willing to make sure she's okay, make sure that she you know not throwing up on herself you know not doing anything that she will regret later on and I that, that was a reality check for me about how people kind of look at others being drunk you know with the recording and posting it online I, I didn't want that to happen to, to this person <laughs> and you know a, after she kind of sobered up a little bit she uh you know thanked me whatever but I could tell that, you know, she was getting the vibe of me and trying to, you know, do a little bit more. But, you know, from my conversation and understanding consent and understanding, you know, right from wrong and other people's uh, perception of coherentness, uh, you know, I kind of shut it down. Mm. It, it, it's not something that, that you should do. Definitely, if somebody isn't, if they, they can say I'm I, I'm listening, I'm I'm aware of everything. But if you can physically see or physically know that it's not going to go well, don't do it. <laughs> right, uh, and young lady, if you just so happen to stumble upon the Holiloquy podcast, I'll get you some better friends. Get you some friends that actually going to care about you because the ones that you were around did not give not one shit. They were more focused on the party than they were focusing about you. One. I would never. I have plenty of friends who, one thing, if I'm making a drink, I'm going to warn everybody, I made this drink. It's going to be strong. You need to drink this shit slow. You need to drink this shit slow. Because I know I'm heavy-handed, and I like to hide the taste of liquor. Therefore, the shit is going to be strong, and you're not going to taste the shit. But on top of that, I'm not going to be asking someone who's never had alcohol before in their life to be partaking in shots on shots on shots one that uh, drunk uno game is the devil i played it before oh my god <laughs> like we did not we i think we only did like two fucking hands and i was already gone <laughs> that game is horrible i love it though that's not for everybody that is not a game for everybody um uh, uh, now, Nick, I have a question. Who the yeah. hell taught you uh, so much about consent? I respect that person. I love that person. Uh, it's it's just growing up around a lot of women. Like I would say, probably eighty percent of my family is women, and on both sides. And you know, I always think to treat others the same way I would want to be treated, or how I would want my you know, mother, sister, grandma, anybody to be treated mm. uh, because, you know, the statistics are so high, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, sexual assault, sexual abuse to women. I don't, that's not something that I hold lightly. Right. Uh, any any young man, masculine presenting person, um, gender nonconforming person who may have, a, who may have experienced most of, most of their life as, as a cisgendered male, um ask your female friends uh our feminine presenting people how uh friends how often are have they ever experienced some form of sexual assault or harassment more than likely they're going to say yes the numbers are extremely high uh and it's extremely un unreported and yes it does happen with uh, men. Uh, it happens quite frequently with men. And that's another conversation in itself. Like um, <laughs> the amount of sexual assault in men is uh, highly unreported. Uh, is it as high of a number as women? Not necessarily, but it's still a high number. And we don't talk about either of those enough in the light that it deserves of then trying to diminish the fact that it happens with women uh, and feminine presenting people at an uh, astronomical rate. Uh, 
So um, um, just a random question before we go into a little Never Have I Ever. Um, Nick, between drunk sex and having sex while high, which one would you say was better? Uh, it kind of depends on, you know, that, that that's a good question. It, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Uh, I kind of associate either or with a particular outcome. Um, like for me, if I smoke before having sex or smoke with the intention of having sex, it's usually to feel a little bit more rooted and sensitive. And I kind of want to take my time and actually focus, uh, you know, usually smoking, it gives you a little bit heightened senses and, you know, you start to hear and not necessarily see, but hear, you know, you, 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 you feel it in on a spiritual level sometimes. <laughs> okay. Whereas if you're, if I drink, you know, it's usually to feel a little bit more numb during intercourse. Uh, you know, a lot of men, they actually, you know, take a shot or two so so they don't, you know, release quick. Mm. Uh, that if, if you had a problem or, you know, sometimes I kind of want to participate in like a more aggressive type of sex or more frenzy type of sex and, and ultimately feel a little bit less nervous. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes alcohol gives you a little bit more confidence, you know, especially when you're meeting new people, this is why drunk the talk about drunk sex is important and consent. <laughs> but mm -hmm. when you're people, it helps you feel a little bit less nervous of the expectations of others. Uh, that's why it's called liquid courage. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, two things. First thing, I love how you said smoking with the intent of having sex. Um, that's doing things with intent. Um, that's the same way, like drinking with the intent of having sex. That's that's where that consent thing becomes very important because that is our intentions in that moment. Because um, even whenever I have my workshops with students, uh, well, in the past, I will let them know, hey, um, if you're girl guy out here getting super drunk because when it comes to uh people of a certain age uh i will say um 18 to like 23 ish uh who are not trying to understand their limits or anything like that they're just drinking a drink um i tell them i really focus on the legal side of things and not the personal autonomy side because when you don't know your own limits and you don't know how you act while under like two drinks or anything like that, you can easily go overboard. Then you uh, fall at risk of making so much, so many more uh, mistakes in your life that some of these things that you won't be able to take back, some that might even lead, uh, lead you to being in jail for a sexual assault, uh, especially. So uh, I tell them, look, if your uh, partner is going out here on the town at eight and they text you tonight, I'm going to have sex with you. Oh my God. And um, they out here drinking, 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 drinking and drinking. And they come back and it's like 12, 1 a.m., whatever the case may be. And they trying to have sex with you. I tell them, no, do not have sex with that beast who walked through that door. Um, because one, if you do, it might not be consensual. Um, just because they gave that prior authorization does not mean that is who they are in that moment. That is a beast. Don't talk to them. Let Put them in bed. Let them go to sleep. We don't fuck with that beast. We just don't. But when you're <laughs> like when you're when you're older and you know your limits and you can actually have those conversations with somebody then and have those intentional moments with, all right, we, let's go ahead and get high and have sex. Let's go ahead and drink these uh, shots and have sex. It's a, it's a completely different feel. It's a completely different environment because you're doing this. In, uh, in a level of comfort that you might not have been doing when you were a lot younger because you don't know your body. You don't know who you are. You don't know that drunk side of you. Um, I forgot what I was going with that. <laughs> well, well, to answer your question, I, I, I do think that I would prefer high sex. Uh, only, and, and this is one of my experiences with it. I, I remember <laughs> my first time doing it and, you know, I was like, man, you know, I'm out of breath, you know, obviously because you smoked and whatever, but, 
you know, once once it got towards the end and getting ready for the climax orgasm, or whatever. And I I just remember this sense of I don't know, like warmth, like a big hug, or like I don't even know. It just kind of engulfed me, <laughs> and it, it was such a stronger feeling than I've ever felt while one regular sex or what's the vanilla? I, I guess that's the word and. Uh, drunk sex like it was a very rooted very strong feeling and I, I think that I prefer that it's, it's a little bit more fulfilling and you know it's kind of a little bit more to your senses as well so I think I prefer that mm. all righty I fucked with it well Nick so um, now is that time to you know transition on over to some bullshit as I say, you know, I'm going to start off. I, I might do all three with you. Uh, uh, never have I ever. A would you rather and a sex question. You cool with doing all three? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool. All right, we we shall see. All right, <clears throat> never have I ever gone more than a year between sexual encounters. Mm. Yeah, that's a. Going a year between sexual encounters. Uh, I would say I have. Hmm. I have. Uh, uh, I would say, you know, freshman year or whatever of college. I had a really bad heartbreak. So that's kind of most of the fuel for that. But it, it taught me a lot about myself and kind of how I view sex with people. Um, I definitely think of it as a very spiritual thing and I, I'm not willing to share my spirit with a lot of people. Mm. So I, I'm okay with taking a year, you know, or more if it needs to be. Drive you a little crazy, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I fucked with that. I know I, I have. Um, so I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was like age 19. Well, consensually until I was uh, age 19 and um uh I when I did I was like a huge hoe and um like my body count went from zero to like a hundred I'm joking it went to like zero to ten in like less than eight months and I was like a little bit worried and I was like hold up I'm I'm out here being reckless and in doing that I was like okay let me take a step back let me go back to who I was before I even had this thing that I just experienced that has been phenomenal and joyous and all this other shit let me take a step away from that so I can figure out what the fuck is going on here with me mm-hmm. and that turned into like like 2.5 years well two and a half years of just celibacy uh and this is during college so uh, i had options uh and the greatest options was uh, a town away in fort valley uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I remember. laughs> and, uh, so um i um you know took that step back to reflect on who i am as a person and who i want to be as a sexual being and still maintain my sexual freedom and whatnot and that's actually um what gave birth to my idea of wanting to write uh, my book the central guide on how to be a hoe is from that time of being celibate and using that time to reflect on who i am as a sexual person and i i definitely recommend it doesn't have to be a year um but removing yourself from sex uh, in such a way um, that you are focusing on who you are, um, grieving over past relationships if you need to, or um, identifying if you are operating through your sexuality, through a place of hurt or a place of pleasure. And those two things are very aligned, most definitely how we're raised in this country, where pleasure and pain can easily be the same thing um and that's not even talking like bdsm i'm talking about when you um literally um shove down your own pain and suppress that through a form of pleasure through like alcohol or drugs oh shit so that that is very prominent in this country so it's those things. So that's why I personally recommend doing that. So you can understand, uh, like you said, by taking that year off, uh, you were able to work through some things, uh, get over that past relationship, find out about, you know, what you like in life, you know, 
things like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is mostly because you uh, smirked that. I, I feel like this question is, well, this question is going to be very interesting because <laughs> how you smirked that the, uh, when I said BDSM. Uh, so, this is, this is uh, uh, the would you rather. All right. So, would you rather try something new and kinky in bed or have typical but very passionate sex? I try something new and kinky. Look, I'm a man of, of, of many different flavors. I, I, I like a little bit of everything. I fucks with it. Look. Oh, wait, you, you cut off a little bit. What'd you say? I said, you can't always keep it vanilla. Sometimes people need a little bit more than that. You get energy every time. I don't want that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like vanilla is great, but sometimes I want a little bit of strawberry up in that bitch. You can throw some. Uh, we we can make this to a full ass fucking Sunday. Like let's go. <laughs> I'm to the fan or something. Right. Like, <laughs> see, that's I, I I respect that, Nick. I respect that wholeheartedly. Um, now this is the the sex question. All right. Mm, no, ill. Um, I already pulled it, so I have to ask it, but. Sorry, not judging you, Nick. I'm sorry. Um, it's still going to be ill from your side, too. I'm quite sure. So, um, the oh, ill. All right. If we went on an erotic adventure together, where would we go? What three things would we need to bring? And what would we wear? Erotic adventure. Well, what's an example of that? See, for me... If you and I were to go to an erotic adventure, one, I, I, I'm fine with pain, but we're going to be in separate <laughs> locations because <laughs> I am not trying to see you, Nick. But <laughs> um, that can be going to the Bahamas. Um, that can be going to um, another tropical island, let's say Jamaica or uh, like hedonism. Uh, or uh, there's this uh, retreat, not retreat, this conference called Azotica. That's something. Um there's this thing in uh, New York uh, for sex workers that happen every single year. That could be uh, an event. There's a lot of things. You could create it however you want to create it. Uh, but I know for me, if uh, what I would choose to wear would be something very loose. Um, probably, um, other than loose, probably something that's like not necessarily mesh, but um, ooh, something silky. I do want something silky. Um uh lacy and flowy damn near naked that's that's pretty much how i'll be sp spending that trip which is why nick I, I can't have you around me man now now if we just uh randomly meet up at some kind of play party it's good to see you fam have a good time <laughs> enjoy yourself <laughs> but yeah uh not not thinking about it yeah uh i mean because you name some places and it kind of reminded me of some stuff i looked up in the past um i want to go to the maldives i think because like, you know you got a little bit more freedom out there i like i like the ocean view and you know be in the water well just it don't even have to be the maldives specifically just somewhere where it's like really beachy blue waters you go play in the water whatever uh what would i wear honestly i'm, I'm gonna keep it honest I was just probably wear some, I don't know, maybe some, you know, I'm a sweatpants type of person. You, you know that. You, you see me. I just, I sweatpants, t-shirt, with my do-rag on. <laughs> Not the fucking do-rag. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's just Memphis. It is what it is. Uh, what, what was the third part of it? Oh, no, that was it. Like, what would you wear and where, where would we go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would probably go somewhere with some water because you, you you got a lot more people you get access to. You know, if you want to participate in some, you know, orgy related fun or, you know, include a whole lot of different people in or whatever you want to do, hey, it's going to be people on the miles that's willing to do that. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> but, you know. Right. Well, so that means uh, fans. Follow me on OnlyFans. Nick and I go to the Maltese for the special Make sure you buy tickets for that show. <laughs> so we're going to make sure to get a whole lot of selfies. Right. <laughs> right. See, I did. 
this little damn these damn cars i fucks with them so on that note uh any last messages that you have for the audience nick of course you know when you have sex with people especially when you're drunk i always make sure you're looking for consent making sure they're coherent Make sure, you know, if you need to ask a couple questions during the time, are you okay? How you feeling? You know, are you good with continuing this? And and don't assume implied consent. Even if you're in a relationship, there's no such thing as implied consent. Facts. Facts. Uh, that that's that's the message, y'all. That is the fucking message. So Thank y'all so much for joining us on this episode on the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and uh, talk about sex. Thank you, Nick, for joining me in this conversation. I definitely appreciate you. Um, everyone else, make sure y'all like, subscribe. Um, what else? You know, comment, uh, follow us on YouTube, all this other great shit. Do all the good stuff. <laughs> we, I love having conversations with you all. And who knows? If you're a fan, there's a possibility that you might uh, actually be able to do a couple episodes on air. So that's a thing. But uh, again, thank y'all so much for being a part of the Holy Liquid Podcast family. And I hope y'all have a wonderful day. You're loved and you're blessed. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please, as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.